Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Yannick Hanfman. I'm Ilya Marchenko. I'm Dennis Kudler. This is Sebastian Wolfner. It's Mark Andrea Weisler. I am Francisco Serundolo. And, and you're listening, listening to the Game Podcast. Hopefully you enjoy it. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> the epic final. Novak Djokovic. Carlos Alcaraz. We saw it in Wimbledon and we're going to get it at the US Open. He's going to be able to handle a situation in a Grand Slam final against Djokovic because he's beaten him in one. I'm going for Carlos Alcaraz. The main man. The number 24. Novak Djokovic. US Open time, baby! Let's go! Golf could be our US Open champion. Free set final in which Iga wins. Near on near impossible that Djokovic doesn't make the final. Novak Djokovic claiming his 24th Grand Slam title on the women's side. No surprise here. I think that Novak Djokovic will win this year's US Open and Coco Goff is going to be the American that wins it on the women's side. That Novak Djokovic will win this Grand Slam, beating Alcaraz in the final. I believe that Sabalenka is going to uh, ace up this uh, Grand Slam. Sabalenka and Djokovic take it. Novak Djokovic will have as many Grand Slams as there are hours in the day. Anz is going to do it. I really believe. I think Anz has learned from her mistake. Novak Djokovic is going to win the US Open. Karina Sabalenka is winning her second Grand Slam. Carlos Alcaraz is going back to back. He's going to defend his US Open title. Coco Goff on home soil is taking home the cake. Goff will win. Hey, welcome back, tennis fans! It's the final of the US Open. It's Novak Djokovic versus Daniel Medvedev, part two in the US Open final. I can't wait to get going on this one. The big man's there, the king, Novak Djokovic, and he's up against the person he always said was his toughest match on a hard court. It is none other than the Russian, the octopus, 
Daniel Medvedev. JG, you're excited, I'm sure. Medvedev, one of your favourite players on the tour. We're going to see another epic final. I mean, I don't know where to begin. Great intro, by the way. I think you touched on a lot of the big points. Um, I think we'll probably start off with the fact that Carlos Alcaraz has not made the final. We've not got the final on paper. A lot of people wanted. We've not got the one with the one versus the two, the repeat of Wimbledon. Djokovic trying to get revenge. And I don't really think we should be too harsh on Carlos Alcaraz for not reaching the final. The reason being... He'd come up against Daniel Medvedev, who now has shown that he's able to beat Alcaraz on the big stage. He worked him out. He was able to mix up his game style. And he simply played, like Medvedev said, a 12 out of 10 performance. And it's worrying because I think going into the final, Daniel Medvedev has a really good chance of winning the whole thing. I think it's not necessarily an easier match for Djokovic. And we now have a big three again because we've seen Djokovic and Alcaraz out there on their own. Medvedev has put himself in the picture. It's only, I guess, really on the hard courts. We've maybe not seen enough on grass or um, certainly on the clay. But Medvedev on a hard court is up there with them two. And I'm really excited for this final. I think it's going to be special. Speaking about, obviously, Djokovic, Shelton, Everyone's speaking about the incident. And when I say incident, it is the imitation of the phone being put down, uh, copying Ben Shelton's celebration. I've had my say on it. We're going to hear maybe some of the things you have to say during this podcast. Um, But let's talk about the tennis as well, because I thought the match was really good. And Ben Shelton made it an exciting match, but he couldn't deal with Djokovic. The defensive display, the return of serve was sublime. And if yeah. he's able to do that same thing against Daniel Medvedev, it's going to be an epic. We could be looking at a Grand Slam final, which goes five sets. Uh, I really do believe that. Yes, this is a very exciting matchup. And like you said, I don't think that this final loses anything. No, not from really, having, no. From having Daniel Medvedev. This rivalry we were talking about before... Carlos Alcaraz really started to become an all-surface player where he could really challenge the likes of Djokovic. This was the matchup. This was the one that everyone was tuning in to see. And Daniel just sort of fell off. After he went to world number one, he fell off for a bit. Obviously, we had the whole thing with the war, the banning, and all of that type of thing. Now he's back to his best. And this is his best. And does this not give uh, a little bit of, I don't know... In my mind, Andre Rublev will be sitting at home right now thinking, I didn't, don't think I actually did that bad against Medvedev in this type of form because it, he's playing incredible. This is the type of Daniel Medvedev I was hoping that we'd get to see against Alcaraz to, to sort of prove the naysayers wrong. Everybody, including us, and I'm going to put my hands up right now, I gave Daniel Medvedev no chance against Alcaraz and I'm embarrassed that a US Open winner I didn't really give a chance or any hope against uh, one of the young prospects on the tour. And I should have done because you see how good Daniel Medvedev is when he plays his best tennis. He was incredible. And I think his performance against Alcalaz in a different way was better than Djokovic's against Shelton, I would say. I mean, people are going to probably say you can't really compare the two. It's difficult too. But I think just... 
the level he brought to the court against Alcaraz, he just frustrated him. And that's what he does against Djokovic as well. He plays more aggressive than he has done on previous occasions. And a long rally. Yeah, good luck winning one against him on our US Open hard court. Yeah, uh, it's important to say that Medvedev beat Alcaraz 7-6, 6-1, 3-6, 6-3. And I want to highlight that second set. Uh, because in the second set, there was a moment where I think it was to either get break point or to break at 4-1 up, where Alcaraz was moving Medvedev around. And it looked like Alcaraz was going to win the point. On the stretch, Medvedev, Alcaraz at the net, we know how good he is at the net. He seems yeah. to be able to span the whole length of it from wherever he is. Medvedev, when octopus mode, a backhand slice down the line with, I mean, he had only a ball whip to pass Alcaraz, he found that gap. He found a gap of a ball to pass him, and that's he couldn't have gone any anyone the other side or the other or the or if it goes this side, Alcaraz gets it. The other side, it's out. He found the gap, and I think that highlights the reason I want to identify that moment is because it highlights the precisity of Daniel Medvedev. Precision, the precisity. No, I think we just made up a word. That's yeah. fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the the precision of Daniel Medvedev. It was pinpoint. And he's going to have to do that exact same thing against Novak Djokovic um, if he wants to win this final uh, easily. Because otherwise he's going to be in for a real big dogfight. I'm scared. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I'm obviously supporting Djokovic. But this version of Daniel Medvedev is one of the scariest things that you can come up against uh, on a hard court. Uh, and isn't he the person with the most hard-court wins this year? I think that was one of our tennis shootout questions. And I've, that is worrying as well because he's silently been doing it, the business, has Daniel Medvedev, and no one's really been speaking about him. We did a countdown episode on him because he deserves it because he's that good. But right now, that performance against Alcaraz, I mean, I'm interested. I haven't seen what Gil Gross had to say, but I'd be interested to see because he said that in a previous video that, his game style just is completely terrible yeah. against Alcaraz and he proved everybody, every analyst, everybody wrong because yeah. his playing style, he changed a little bit. He upped the pace. He even said it in the set that he played a nine out of five and no, nine and a half out of 10. He lost it. And he played 12. He said he played 11 out of 10 on the other sets and he was able to win them. He said he's going to need the same level against Djokovic. And I would totally agree. Djokovic, Returned well. I feel his serve came back a little bit better against Shelton. I wouldn't say it's completely there yet. Maybe it'll be fully warm for the final. But I feel that this match is going to be a long one, this final. I don't think it's going to be as simple as the last one they played. I feel Djokovic was more fatigued coming into that final, mentally and physically. But I still think it's a bit of a pick-em final. And I'm not really sure who's going to win. Yeah. (laughs) And I'm going to just highlight to you some interesting stats here um, or some numbers from IBM. Oh, okay. So, as you know, Carlos Alcaraz, Danny Medvedev, they've just, they've just played at um, Wimbledon in the semi-finals. Before that match, there was a lot of hope that Medvedev could make it competitive and he was completely annihilated. I think it was 3-3-3. Free, free free. Going into the match, it was about 60-40 in the IBM. I'm not sure. I can't remember the exact numbers now, but it was very close. Just favouring Alcaraz by 60 or so and 40 for Medvedev. Going into this one, 
it was completely different. The likelihood to win using the IBM sort of power index and whatever numbers they put into it was 81% for Alcaraz, 19% for Medvedev. What? So that is a case of four weeks difference on Medvedev's stronger surface. He was dropped by that amount. So it's not just all of the, uh, the people, all the podcasters, and I mentioned Gil Gross and tennis yeah, yeah. fans and tennis pundits or ex-players. It's not all of just them. The the numbers, the the AI, the IBM index, the, everything they plugged into that, it look come back with a likelihood of win winning for Medvedev as nineteen percent in this match before a ball was hit. So Crazy. everyone wasn't expecting it. Not just me, a yeah. lot of people. And yeah, no not one. just yourself as well. So you can't really beat yourself up on that. I think the key thing is just showing how he's been able to change and rise to the occasion and play such a high level. And now all it's shown is in tennis, in the men's game, I've always thought we've had a big two and then Medvedev and then the rest. Now we've got a big three. And I would like to put Medvedev in the conversation with the other two because he's shown now he deserves to be there. Um, More so on the hard courts. I did say before the Rafael Nadal, uh, Daniel Medvedev final a few years ago now in Australia, um, that Daniel Medvedev was the best hardcourt player in the world. And I think we're starting to see exactly why I thought that. Yeah. I mean, he had a bit of a wobble. I mean, and now he's back to his best again. I was listening to his on-court interview after the match. And they're talking, obviously, about uh, some of the statistics regarding... uh, Novak Djokovic, who is obviously mm-hmm. going to have to play in the final. This is one one of them. Novak Djokovic has one hard court loss in 2023. Daniel Medvedev in Dubai. I mean, that in itself, they've played on a hard court. They have played twice this year. I think Djokovic won the other one. But that was their last match that they have played. And Medvedev was the victor. That's a, that's a significant thing because Djokovic will have a memory of that. Obviously... They played in the slam final against each other. Medvedev won won that match as well. Uh, there's some just amazing statistics all around this. The, the one that I thought that was very interesting is how well Medvedev does against Djokovic when he's world number one as opposed to when he's not world number one. And apparently he beats him more times when he's world number one than if he's not. And he said, well, I'm going to have to change my mindset because... Come Monday, he's going to be world number one. So I'm going to have to think of him as world number one in this matchup so that I can beat him again. So I don't know if you read anything into that, though. Not much, no. I feel the matchup's always going to be ultra competitive. In tennis, The, the for me, my favourite match we can watch right now is Adekalaz Djokovic. Um, but then a close second would be Djokovic-Medvedev. I think that one is, in the past been the one we've we've enjoyed the most i think they're epic i really enjoy them i think they're very close and it's going to be extreme, extremely hard to call one thing i'm very sure about is this Djokovic won't win it in straight sets and i can yeah. i can put that out there i don't believe novak Djokovic will beat medvedev in straight sets medvedev had more of a chance of beating him in straight sets than the other way around um but what i'm trying to say by that is i do feel we're going to see spells where both players are in the match and I'll be shocked if it's not four or five. Like, I mean, it surely has to go that way. It's a little bit like he, his game style 
like we were saying, Alcalaz's didn't really suit Medvedev. I felt that Medvedev's one against Djokovic is one that he doesn't like, but in the way that Djokovic normally loves a long rally, normally wants to keep him going as exactly. long as possible. Yep. Doesn't want that against Daniel at all because Daniel no. will be there until the bitter, bitter end. 40, 50 shots, he's still there. Yeah. So, Djokovic he's a bit of a gonna... walk. So, this, this is another one, or have you read this one out? No, I haven't read this one. But a formidable task, but Medvedev's one Grand Slam title was a straight sets win against Novak Djokovic. Of course, that was yeah. a few years ago now at the US Open. And we're going to get into that as well because I want to speak about the crowd dynamic because for the first time, Medvedev, uh, I feel Djokovic will be the more favoured player in the in in Al-Farash. Medvedev does is not liked by the US Open crowd. There was more in the last in the semi final against Alcaraz. After match point, there's a video from the crowd and you can see the disappointment, really, of watching Medvedev win the match. Uh, if you just go back, sorry, Ben, because I feel like you've skipped a few tweets. I don't know if you're ever going to go back to him, but to the Sasser Osmo one. Uh, sure. I don't want you to miss that because it's very important to highlight um, this this one. Yeah, just, yeah, we need to speak about it. And that's Djokovic has entered 72 Grand Slam tournaments and he's reached at least the final 36 times. So the reason this is, is significant is because that's half for yeah. any mathematicians out there. <laughs> Basically, with every single Grand Slam he, he goes into, there's a half chance he'll make the final. I mean, I would like to see the statistics since 2011, if I'm perfectly honest. And that's just a, that's a career collective. Let's see what it would be like if someone has posted the, the more updated one. That's just crazy just from a whole career to have that statistic because you're obviously not going to start as a world beater. But to, to come on and still have that type of percentage, is, it is unreal. That is the only word that you can use to describe it. Half the Grand Slams, he enters, he gets to the final. So basically, it's like in a Grand Slam <laughs> season, he'll make two Slam finals a year for every year he's been a professional tennis player and competed in Grand Slams. Even just saying 72 Grand Slam tournaments sounds just crazy in its own to even play that many. I know, and he's made half, half. The, he's made thirty-six finals. So, another interesting one. I don't know if you've got it up. Is how many times he's got to the final in all four majors in a season? I think Vance tweeted this one out. It's probably one of the last ones you've got. And there's been three seasons where Djokovic has made the final of all four majors. So, 2015 when he was 28, uh, 2021 when he was 34. And now 2023 at 36. So a lot of people keep referencing his age. And we've seen <laughs> in this tournament, everyone in the last 16 was sort of 26 or below. We had a big batch at 20 years old then some at 24, 25, 26. And then a 10-year gap and Novak Djokovic on his own. But he's, he's getting better with age. You can't say he's getting any worse. No. Is this the best version of Novak Djokovic? I feel like we spoke about on the countdown episode. <laughs> but let's be honest. He's shown 2021, 2023, some of his best ever results in Grand Slams. I yeah. mean, 2021, he almost won the calendar, sla uh, the calendar Slam. Yeah. The only reason he didn't was because of Daniel Medvedev in his way at the US Open. And I think he was a little bit fatigued, if anything, going into that one. Yes, definitely. Had the Olympics that year as well. So there was a lot going on. 
maybe stretched himself a bit too far. Maybe his body could cope with it more now than it could then. Maybe he's come on leaps and bounds. And you see the, the gap closing there. We've gone from six years to now only two years. Maybe next year he does it again, all four finals. So he's just getting better and better. It's just an annual thing. Djokovic in every final from this year on, surely. Crazy. Let's move on. Yeah, let's move on to the next one. And this was uh, Daniel Medvedev was asked about how he'll use the uh, well 2021 final against Djokovic when coming into this final. And he says, when Novak loses, he's never the same after. He's uh, So he's different. It's just a different mentality. That's why he has 23 slams. So I have to use it knowing he'll be 10 times better than he was that day. Uh, if I want to beat him, I have to be 10 times better than I was that day. That's what I'll try and do. And he said something else as well about Novak's ability to improve if the last time he played you, you beat him as well. This is a thing. It's like a revenge thing for Djokovic. If you beat him, he said, oh, I beat him in the US Open final. And then in Paris, he came back and beat me the next time we played. And he said it's a very much like that for Djokovic. It's like a personal thing. He mm. doesn't like losing the last match against somebody. He wants it back again. And as we know, they played in Dubai. And Daniel Medvedev <laughs> beat him last time. So is Djokovic still sat at home like, oh, I can't believe I lost the last match to Medvedev. I'm going to crush him when I get to that final and he beat me the last time I played him in the US Open final yeah, I think that's the bigger that. part I feel like the Dubai one he might just be like yeah okay this is Dubai yeah. tournament ATP 500 no, um, but Grand Slam considering he was so close to a calendar slam of course he's going to want revenge more than more than anything yes uh, on this stage and I think this is a good time to speak about the crowd because it sort of ties in with this tweet as well because in that final if you remember when Medvedev was serving out for the match, everyone rallied up behind Novak Djokovic. I think it was maybe when Djokovic was serving to try and stay in the match. Yeah, He had so much support. It was unbelievable. Everyone was on their feet applauding him. And it actually led Djokovic um, and resulted in him just being overwhelmed with all of the support. And I, I think he was crying on the chair yeah, during the match. So emotional. that is something which he's not used to. He's used to being the hill, um, the guy who plays sort of the villain. Well, we, as we know from the semi-final, he did a really good job of doing so with the Shelton celebration. And we'll get on to that next. Um, but here, he's going to have the crowd behind him. Because Medvedev, I'm going to put it out there now, he's probably the most unliked player i've seen at the us open um there was so much interaction with the crowd yet again yeah uh he's every after every winner really he's going to the crowd shushing them he's playing <laughs> about how the spanish fans can now go to bed and sleep because yeah, that one their there, players their, their players gone out um are you bringing that one up now this is this one yeah that's it here we go so he's medford was the crowd was amazing except for a few spanish guys but I did them a favour. They can go to sleep now. Um, <laughs> we've seen him doing the vamos, 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 that famous video as well, which was quite funny. Um, uh, but he, he, he said as well, in this final, if there is people talking throughout him, his service motion, he will just not serve. He will refuse to serve completely. Yeah. Uh, but back to Djokovic being the hill and this character. 
I've had my view. I did a news video. Go check out the news <laughs> video if you want to see my opinion on this. But this is Ben's opportunity to provide his very different opinion. Yes, indeed. I know that there's been a lot of uh, shade coming your way since your opinion of disrespect. And my opinion on this matter is I think that this is just Djokovic doing what Djokovic does. I don't think it mattered who would have been down the other end. If the crowd were supporting them, he did it for the sinner at Wimbledon. The boo-hoo, you want sinner to win. And now he's not one. I've just destroyed him. And this was the same thing. He, but he had ammunition in this one because Shelton's been using this. Boom, hang up the phone. It's been a thing. And what Shelton said actually was the best thing he could have said in his press conference, which was uh, imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. And I think if he didn't do that, he wouldn't have even have been acknowledging Ben Shelton's rise to stardom, the fact that he's made a wave in the tennis world. And the fact of Djokovic doing that actually acknowledges Ben Shelton's existence at this top level as well. So oh, I think... On. Are you serious? That's what, yeah. That's, that's, I, do you think by him doing that, it's a nice touch for Ben Shelton? And it's, I didn't oh, say it's, nice it, touch. I'm it's saying him it, acknowledging it, it, his existence. What about it, it, in professional sport? Do you not think you should do more than just acknowledge someone's existence, existence and show them the respect yeah, but uh, don't, that they deserve as a professional athlete? This isn't directed at him. This is directed at the crowd. It's not. This is what you need to realise. This he's, is Ben Shelton's celebration. This is yes. his one, which he's done. Do you, do you know the reason why Ben Shelton does this celebration? No, but he did it to Francis TFO. He didn't do it not... to France. He didn't do it to France. He, 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 done it, he's done it in, he did it to Kratsev as well. Yeah, He's exactly. not doing it to Francis TFO. The reason he does it, and it comes back from his US college days, is because it's him saying, I'm dialed in. I'm dialed into the match. It's okay. very much American sort of lingo and their court sort of way of life and the way they talk in sort of the college. Uh, I'm not sure how it works. I don't live in America, but... From what I've been seeing, that, that's how it is. I don't see it as a disrespectful to your opponent. He would do it to anyone. This is him just saying, I'm here, I'm dialed in. It's his own celebration. You're saying that this is Djokovic just acknowledging his existence. No, I, I say he's it's... trying to rile the crowd up. That's what he does. They are on his case throughout the whole entire match. And that's what Djokovic does. If there's a way that he can get back at the crowd, he will okay. use anything he wants, and that yeah. was his way. Maybe part of it was against the crowd, but a big. No, I think it was, was all against the crowd. Uh, so it's so. nothing against Ben Shelton at all. No, I don't think okay, so. Why didn't he clap him off when he left the court? I don't he's know. Done it, he's done it against every single player he's played in his career. When he's had a match in a later stage of a Grand Slam, was he asked in stand, his press conference? No, he'll stand there and he'll applaud the player off. Why didn't he do it on this occasion? I don't know. Maybe okay. there's been some choice words between the two of them. Obviously. There's well, clearly there's clearly more going on here. It's not that's what I'm trying but to. But we don't know to. the full it's, we don't know the full picture though, do we? No, but you're on here telling me it's to do just with the crowd. It's clearly not that. I'm proving to you it's I not know. because of just the crowd. It might be an influence, but it's not just that because clearly he didn't clap him off. The handshake was very cold, and then afterwards the match. That's how, he, he's entirely within his right not to mention the opponent at all. But Novak Djokovic, being the person he is, he's extremely gracious in defeat and he's humble in victory. I'll say that about him. And he always says very nice words about his opponent when, when he loses and when he wins. In this situation, he's just beaten a 20-year-old kid who's just got to his first Grand Slam semi-final. No word about him at all. No acknowledgement how far he's got. No acknowledgement of the great shots and the fight he's shown. 
And the um, same goes for Shelton as well. No acknowledgement of Djokovic in his press conference. So the same goes for both players, really. I, no, but we heard from Djokovic. But what do you mean? We heard we heard from Shelton afterwards. After no, Djokovic. yeah, Djokovic's one was on court, just no, after it finished. Yeah, but I'm talking about the press conferences afterwards. They were both posed questions in there, and both of them still avoid talking is, admir- uh, like in admiration for each other. But Djokovic didn't know that Shelton hadn't done any of that because he did his one way before. So he'd taken the stance of clearly there's an issue between them. He doesn't quite like Ben Shelton and that's clear as day. And I've just given you examples as to why that is the case. So well, we I don't think... know what's going on behind exactly. the scenes. We don't know. We're... Maybe Ben Shelton's done in, something In the player lounge, maybe Ben Shelton's acting the fool and acting like a young, like, oh, giving it the bigger and walking up. You don't know. Maybe yeah. Djokovic thinks you're just disrespectful to other players who are in there. You don't know. That, yeah, well, that, could, be a poss- well, that exactly. could be a possibility. So No, for sure. And maybe we that don't is know. what's happened. We don't know about that, but it's important to speak about it. And that's what we're doing on this podcast. This is speculation mainly, though. But the point is, something clearly has happened, I think, between them. Because there's a reason why Djokovic doesn't like him. From the match, I didn't see anything in which I felt Ben Shelton crossed the line. I didn't see anything, but I'm open. I'm all ears. If people have any information, I, maybe what I missed. Nothing more than anybody else. Like celebrating no. celebrating somebody missing a shot. I feel that people are allowed to do that. I feel that if it, you, you're winning the point, you Not can Pete, still celebrate. Ben Shelton wasn't doing that. Yeah, he's still celebrated if it goes wide and he wins a rally. That's fine. It wasn't in a disrespectful way. No, I don't agree. care if the people do no. that. But some people are pointing that stuff out. I think that's garbage. You can celebrate if... This, these players get paid. This is a profession. If a, somebody is helping you towards like, com, like achieving a, an objective, who cares if you celebrate every single point you win? doesn't matter. Like for me... There's, there may be something between the two. Will we ever find out? I don't know. But for me, all that I looked at this was Djokovic trying to mainly trying to wind up the crowd. And he, he definitely worked. He definitely was trying to okay. get under their skin because they were trying to interrupt him serving the whole time, shouting throughout points. It was a at Wimbledon. Level. At Wimbledon, Djokovic did the gesture where he was the crybaby gesture yeah. to the crowd. That was aimed at the crowd. It wasn't aimed at Yannick Sinner yeah. at all. This one was aimed at Ben Shelton because it's Ben Shelton's celebration he's done. He's done it a few times. The reason he did it was not purely for the crowd. Of course, it was to go a little bit about against the crowd, but it was also a statement to say, I'm Novak Djokovic um, and I don't quite like your attitude, Ben Shelton. Take this one. That's how it, that's how it come across. And I think as a 36-year-old, who has just beaten someone extremely comfortably in wasn't he wasn't troubled too much really wasn't much adversity in the match there wasn't times where we thought Djokovic was going to really lose the match Shelton showed a lot of fight and made it exciting got to a tie break but Djokovic is always in the driving seat every single step of the way for him to then do that against a 20 year old who's never really been there before who's trying to show maybe a little bit of life on the tour we 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 moan a lot about how tennis uh, can be a bit boring and characters are, are just not that interesting to watch and they're all very PC and just the same kind of responses in press conferences and mannerisms on court and how people don't want to buy tickets to watch players. Ben Shelton certainly doesn't fit that criteria. He's exciting. People will want to watch him. So with one hand, you can't praise someone for being like that and then just disrespect them. And I feel Djokovic crossed the line and I thought this, this celebration was slightly disrespectful. Mm-hmm. 
Well, everyone's entitled to their own opinion. Let us know in the in the comment section what you think about this. For me, I think Djokovic's just entitled to do whatever he wants. If, if not, tennis players don't have to like each other at the end of the day, this all it does is spice up another match should they play again. And I would like to know what has actually happened as well. So if we ever get a story about it, I'm all ears. But must be something going on. Yeah, but that, that is true. It will make now another encounter <laughs> very, very interesting. All right, Most let's move definitely. on. If you want to see more on that, we did do a news video, so go check it out on the channel and you can add some beautiful comments underneath and I'll read all of them. So this one's Jose Morgado saying, Medvedev was great in the first two sets, but it was unbelievable in the fourth. Never played like this. And the fourth was significant because um, after Medvedev took the first two sets... He lost the third, yes. and there was people starting to think, hmm, last time Medvedev was two sets up and lost the third. We saw what happened in the Australian Open with Rafael Nadal, and he ended up losing in five. But the fourth, he never went in his shell. He improved, got better, and went into another god mode because in that fourth, Alcaraz was there. This was prime Alcaraz playing, yeah. and he was hitting some good shots. I know Alcaraz was quite critical of himself in the post-match interview saying how he struggled with certain things. Um, but I think a lot of that you can attribute to the amazing play of Daniel yeah. Medvedev. Most definitely. And um, I only got to watch the first two sets before I fell asleep while watching it, which is cause it was quite late in the UK. But some of the net play, I know we talk about and we rave about Carlos Alcalaz at the net, but the exchanges between the two at close quarters inside the service box, which was sort of like ta it was like table tennis or something that they were playing. Alcalaz is somehow getting back most of the shots. But I noticed on a lot of these occasions, Daniel was coming out on top. And not many people can say that in quick twitch, fast reaction play at the net that can beat Alcalaz. And he was doing so. And I think it's just like we say dialed in. Medvedev was dialed in and he said he's putting an extra 10%, maybe 20% on his forehand power. And it made the difference because Carlos wasn't able to just be mid-court, attack, push him around. And you said, yeah, it's due to Daniel that Carlos wasn't maybe hitting his best shots. And I agree. I think that it was because of Daniel playing better that Carlos probably thinking, why is my forehand not working the same as last time I played him? Well, it's coming quicker at you this time and you're not able to control it as easily as you were before. That's why credit to Daniil. And now I'm excited to see them play again because I want to see what Carlos does to change up and try and uh, account for that because that's how tennis works. Every time you play someone, you see a different facet to their game and how they adjusted to maybe beat you the next time. Go to the next one. Here we go. This is, a good one. this is Medvedev and how he's now joined some elite company uh, in this statistic. So it is career most wins over number one ranked players. So Nadal, 23, uh, 13 against Federer, 10 against Djokovic. Becker, 19. Uh, Djokovic, 16. Lendl, 14. Murray, 12. Federer, 10. Del Potro, 10. Agassi, 10. Edberg, 9. Chang, 7. Krychek, 7. Sampras, 6. Uh, Tanner, 6. And now Medvedev, 6. Ooh, so he's, he's getting up there. And <laughs> it is a significant place to be because all of them names we've mentioned are the best tennis players we've ever seen. Yes, most definitely. Yep.
Yeah, that's brilliant. So it just shows that he's able to beat the very best. And I think it's an important one because look who's right at the top. <laughs> Rafael Nadal showing that he is never fearful of the number one ranked player. That's, that's it. And he's always up against Federer and Djokovic. <laughs> all the time. How many matches he has to play against all of these guys. Well, uh, let's see what other ones we've got. Um, I think we've already been through that one. Are we nearly ready for our prediction or is there any others that we want to... I feel like there was maybe one or two more, but it's up to you if you can I'll, find them. I'll have a little look through if you sent any late ones. Just one second. No, I don't think there's that many more to be fair, Ben. So we can go to the prediction if you want. Uh, yeah, for sure. Uh, unless you want anything more to say, I think we've done... Shelton no, I think we Djokovic. spoke about it all, really. We spoke yeah. about Shelton Djokovic. It was a good match. I've spoken about the other one as well in Alcalaz yeah. and how we could maybe touch on Alcalaz briefly before we go on to the prediction because is this loss going to damage his career in any way? Is it going to be a learning curve? Is it? I don't know. What do you? What do you? How do you assess how the effect of this loss is going to be on Carlos Alcalaz's career? I think it's a good thing. Uh, if I'm perfectly honest, um, having more people who can challenge you on the tour, not just Djokovic, is only a benefit to Carlos Alcaraz's growth. I feel that now he will have learned something or if he doesn't, then he'll suffer the same fate again. Each time Alcaraz suffers a loss, I feel that he just gets better and better and he'll be so hard on himself after that semi-final defeat. And I'm excited to see what new things he puts in place, really, to now tackle. We've got the back end of the year now. We've got an indoor hardcore circuit, which I want to see if he excels on indoor hardcore as well. Uh, we've got the World Tour finals. Obviously, we've not seen him there either. So yeah, I'm excited Just, to just see one him. thing as well. He's also pulled out today, a few hours ago, from the Davis Cup finals group stage next week. Uh, so Albert Ramos Fanolas will replace him uh, but we've got the relevant tennis saying this is yet another withdrawal of a big player which once again demonstrates how the scheduling of the event is completely wrong that is for another video altogether but the Davis Cup scheduling is ridiculous uh, what's it a week after the US Open like it's just yeah, not the right time terrible. like who's going to want to play that you're always going to see a lot of big players just withdraw yeah, and then who's going to want to watch it? <laughs> That's yeah. the problem. If you're trying to sell tickets to it, then you're going to want the big players there. And if all of them withdraw, then you're not going to get many ticket sales, are you? That's the yeah. reality in that. So Davis Cup need to uh, step up their game. But what do you reckon on Alcalaz moving forward after this? Well, let's hear what he had to say. So there's a tweet I've sent you. And okay. this is what he said about the loss against Daniel Medvedev. He said... These kind of matches can happen. Even if I feel I'm more mature, a uh, different player, he played really, really great. A great game. I couldn't find solutions. I thought right now I'm a better player to find solutions when the match isn't going in the right direction. After this match, I'm going to change my mind. I'm not mature enough to handle these kind of matches. And I like this one because it demonstrates that Carlos Alcaraz, I think was potentially getting a little bit too carried away with things mentally. Yeah. He'd had the loss at Roland Garros to Djokovic in which he was too anxious, his body seized up and he just wasn't the same player and lost because he couldn't move. He then come back and learnt really quick and developed at Wimbledon and then beat him. 
straightforward in the end. I mean, he was just, yeah. it wasn't that straightforward, but it was like pretty convincing in the way he was playing. It was like he's played on grass for his whole career. It was incredibly impressive. Then the US Open, he's probably thinking now, okay, I've been able to get over them demons of different pressures and maturity and and an ability on, on in the tense moments. But he's just been sort of brought back down to earth again. And it's not just Djokovic who's going to be a tough test for him. There is going to be other players who will be able to offer a different challenge to what mm. Djokovic does. And Daniel Medvedev is one of them players. And I think it's very important for mentally for him to, to realise he's 20 years old. He might, might have done well in a few Grand Slams now and won some, but still a long way to go. And I think this is important just to sort of bring him back to earth and have a little bit of a reality check with himself. And with his attitude, we know he's so mature and he does have a great attitude. I think it's only going to make him stronger. I agree with you. I think he will bounce back now from this. And these setbacks are very, very important for Medford, for Alcaraz. And I wouldn't be surprised if we see him in the semi-finals or later on every single slam next year. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's nearly a given. And that's something I wanted to bring up, which is significant as well, which we... Not many people would have picked Alcalaz, I think, due to the fact it's so hard to defend the US Open. Oh, and that's yeah. one of the, the, the key factors. And we see here now, obviously, Daniel, he won it in 2021. So he's he has had a gap now. <laughs> so he's, he's back in the uh, running for it again. Djokovic, not won it since 2018. He's back in the running for it. And you can see there, the I remember touching 2008, is it? Yeah. Roger yeah, Federer, who won it five times in a row. Does that put into perspective how difficult it is to win the US Open yeah. back-to-back? And he did it five times in a row. I mean, that has to be noted how dominant Roger Federer was at the US Open. I mean, since then, nobody back-to-back. <laughs> and Djokovic now, for him to have a five-year gap since winning a slam is quite a long time. I mean, obviously yeah. you could say the French Open <laughs> is going to be a longer gap because of Rafa's dominance. But the other slams, yeah, never hear of anything, especially not since 2011. Yep. And I think yeah. that adds to the narrative and makes it an exciting final. Uh, but let's get our predictions in. It's prediction time. Right, get the image up, Ben. Right, and let me just find the image, and then we can get this. Right. There we go. So, prediction time: Medvedev versus Novak Djokovic, U.S. Open 2023 final. Over to you. Right, I will kick us off with this one. I'm always a bit nervous to start, and I'm going to play it out in my head before making even a decision on who I think is going to win and the score they're going to win in. So, I'm going to try and focus my mind the last time they played in the final was 6-4 6-4 6-4 to Daniel Medvedev the first set I believe they're going to come out Djokovic isn't going to have the same level of nerves I think he had in the last one because he wasn't trying he was trying to do the calendar slam there was a lot riding on it this one maybe not so much number 24 he's already at the top of the tree I feel the first set Djokovic is going to come out quite fast 
He's going to take a break early in this match. I think Daniel Medvedev may double fault to give him a, a break as well. That And he's going to get to around about, I think it's going to be about 5-3. Medvedev's going to break back. And then we're going to go all the way to tie break. Medvedev takes the first set in a tie break. Then we're going to go into the second set. Djokovic going to be dialed in. He's going to be returning well. Second set's going to go to Djokovic. It's going to be about, it's going to be just a singular break. It's going to be six four to Djokovic second set third set this one another tie break I think it's just going to be both of them just powering down I think this one's going to be about an hour and 20 minutes this third set and eventually Djokovic is going to win this tie break and it's going to be a real close one where Medvedev has set points Djokovic then takes it about 11-9 on the tie break some crazy score like that (sighs) then we're into the big fourth set the massive one. Um, I feel that Daniel may outwork Djokovic. Djokovic is going to start thinking about the finish line and Daniel is going to actually just start wearing him down. We're going to see a dip in the form of Djokovic in the fourth set. There's going to be shouting at the box. One racket will get broken by Djokovic and it will be a 6-2 for Daniel Medvedev in the fourth set. Then we're into the big one, the decider, the fifth set. The crowd are going crazy. The temperature is at boiling point there on Arthur Ashe. But I think it's going to get to around 3-3 in the final set. And then we're going to see Djokovic break. And then he's going to gradually get there. But he's going to... I don't think it's going to be that convincing. It's going to be a long juice trying to serve it out where he's going to face break points then there's going to be championship points and then Djokovic will eventually win it 6-4 I think in the final fifth set well that was long almost as long as the match (laughs) Um, (laughs) but I've been there already (laughs) Uh, but yeah very very specific from Ben he's got Djokovic winning in five I'm not going to play it as specific as what Ben has oh come on But I can see it going this way. And I think Daniel Medvedev will win the first set and the second set. I think he's going to be two sets to love up, like he was against Alcaraz, like he was against Rafael Nadal, the Australian Open. And then we're going to start to see the Djokovic comeback. And we're going to see all of the crowd supporting Novak Djokovic in his quest to come back from two sets down. He's going to go off, have his toilet break. The potion's going to be mixed around. He's going to be drinking some of that. He might even have a little stretch out on the mat on the floor. And then we're going to see him win the third, 6-2 or 6-1. The second one, the fourth one, will be a lot tighter. Could go tie break. And Djokovic is also going to win that. So we're in a fifth set. Two sets all. Everyone now thinking Djokovic is going to win it because the, the bookies will have it that way. He's got the momentum. Djokovic always does that. And it's just Medvedev has a history of maybe losing from two sets up now in a Grand Slam final. But I think Medvedev's going to prove a lot of people wrong. And he's going to come out a different player in the fifth and surprise everyone. There's going to be instants with the crowd. We're going to see him shouting at the crowd. We're going to see him <laughs> refusing to serve at points. Uh, but he's going to win the fifth set by a singular break and claim his third grand, no, sorry, second Grand Slam title, both at the US Open, both against Djokovic. It's crazy to think he's only won one, 
But I have Daniel Medvedev doubling up his tally and winning his second Grand Slam. So both going for five set finals there. I'm going Novak Djokovic to win his 24th Grand Slam title in five sets. And JG going for Daniel Medvedev to win his second Slam title also in five. Exactly that. Let us know what you think about our predictions. I'm sure everyone will agree with mine, uh, which is which I can't wait to see everyone's comments for. So please get them in. I'll read them all. And thank you for watching yet again. Please hit a like button on the video. Subscribe if you're new. Join us for Sabalenka Coco Golf later on this evening. And of course, the big final Sunday, Djokovic versus Daniel Medvedev. I know I've been saying vamos Carlitos, but now it's time to get behind the Medi bear, the octopus. And I think Daniel can do it. Let's go, Daniel. See you very soon for the live play-by-play of the final. Podcast Network.